Hi, Carly, a recovered alcoholic. Welcome to episode 40, to employers. This is a great chapter, even if you are not an employer or an employee. Um, this is another chapter that's going to give us helpful identification tools. It's going to help me as a sponsor. It's going to help me as a sponsee. It's going to help me as a human um, and down the road. So here we go. Um, I forgot to say this is North Star Big Book, which is the reason why I named it North Star Big Book is the North Star is where we look to when it's where like a sailor looks to when it's dark and they don't know the way. And the big book is where I look to when it's dark and I don't know the way. So it says, among many employers on 136, among many employers nowadays, we think of one member who has spent much of his life in the world of big business. He has hired and fired hundreds of men. He knows the alcoholic as the employer sees him. His present views ought to prove exceptionally useful to businessmen everywhere. But let him tell you. I was at one time assistant manager of a corporation department employing 6,600 men. One day my secretary came in saying that Mr. B insisted on speaking with me. I told her to say that I was not interested. I underlined, I had warned him several times that he had but one more chance. Not long afterward, he had called me from Hartford on two successive days. I underlined, so drunk he could hardly speak. And then I underlined, I told him he was through finally and forever. So this is just like the warnings and the kind of experiences that we have as alcoholics and that people say to us. My secretary returned to say that it was not Mr. B on the phone. It was Mr. B's brother, and he wished to give me a message. I still expected a plea for clemency, but these words came through the receiver. I just wanted to tell you, I underlined in red, Paul jumped from a hotel window. I wrote on the side, untreated alcoholism. The um, untreated alcoholism leads either to drinking or suicide. Untreated alcoholism. You can have it in the rooms of AA. In Hartford last Saturday, he left us a note saying you were the best boss he ever had and that you were not to blame in any way. Another time as I opened a letter, which lay on my desk, a newspaper clipping fell out. It was, I underlined in red, the obituary of one of the best salesmen I ever had. I underlined in red, after two weeks of drinking, he had placed his toe on the trigger of a loaded shotgun. The barrel was in his mouth. And I wrote on the side, untreated alcoholism. I wrote on the top of the page, real alcoholics, real alcoholics without a spiritual solution, so without the steps, real alcoholics without a spiritual solution are doomed to an alcoholic death, are doomed to an alcoholic death. So if you're a real alcoholic and you don't work the steps, the the book is telling me over and over again, I'm going to be doomed to an alcoholic death. I underlined in the rest of that paragraph, I had discharged him for drinking six weeks before. Still another experience, a woman's voice came faintly over long distance from Virginia. She wanted to know if her husband's company insurance was still in force. I underline in red, four days before he had hanged himself in his woodshed. I wrote on the side, untreated alcoholism. And then I underlined, I had been obliged to discharge him for drinking, though he was brilliant, alert, and one of the best organizers I have ever known. Here were three exceptional men, I underline in red, lost to this world. And a reminder, the reason why I underline certain things in red in the book is it helps me when I'm leading or working with a new person and I'm flipping through and I I just have to look for a red underline and that is going to be something that's going to talk about the fatal fatal aspect of this disease and it's going to help me really um, bring home how serious this is. And above lost to this world, I wrote untreated alcoholism. And that was me. I was lost to this world when I got to the rooms of AA. It says, because I did not understand alcoholism as I do now. What irony, I became an alcoholic myself. And But I underlined, for the intervention of an understanding person, and I wrote above that, what we are. We understand. 
I might have followed in their footsteps. My downfall cost the business community unknown thousands of dollars. I underlined that word cost, and I wrote on the side, how much did my alcoholism cost my family? Question mark. How much did my alcoholism cost my family? And we're not only talking about finances. We're talking about pain, emotional, time, energy, attention. For it takes real money to train a man for an executive position. This kind of waste goes on unabated. We think the business fabric is shot through with a situation which might have been helped, I underlined, by better understanding all around. Next around, I wrote, of alcoholism. Of alcoholism. So the employer needs to understand alcoholism just like the spouse or the the friend or the family member because they need to know how to deal with us. And they're going to tell us that in this chapter, what to do with an, with an alcoholic um, if you're in charge of them. It's also helpful stuff that what to do with an alcoholic if you're sponsoring them and they're not doing the work. Nearly every modern employer feels a moral responsibility for the well-being of his help, and he tries to meet these responsibilities. That he has not always done so for the alcoholic is easily understood. To him, the alcoholic has often seemed a fool of the first magnitude. Because of the employee's special ability or of his own strong personal attachment to him, the employer has sometimes kept such a man at work long beyond a reasonable period. Some employers have tried every known remedy in only a few instances has there been a lack of patience and tolerance. And we who have imposed on the best of employers, because remember we impose on people because we don't show up when we're supposed to, we're late, we're hungover, we've we've stolen things, we've lied. It says, can scarcely blame them if they have been short with us. I remember I was working at a restaurant, a huge, crazy restaurant, and I showed up to work not sober. And... um, I was trying to do some side work and I put up a hurricane glass and it hit another hurricane glass and it broke and it fell, a piece of it fell in my eye and I had glass in my eye and I couldn't work and I had to leave work and I left them short staffed and the only reason why I had to leave work is because I showed up not so, I was not sober and that's why that happened. Um, Those kind of little stories are all over my past. Here, for instance, is, exa- is a typical example. An officer of one of the largest banking institutions in America knows I no longer drink. One day he told me about an executive of the same bank who, from his description, was undoubtedly alcoholic. I underlined, this seemed to me like an opportunity to be helpful. I wrote on the side, he is present. He is present through 10, 11, and 12. He is present through 10, 11, and 12 to see the opportunities. I can't see opportunities if I'm not doing the work to unblock myself and to connect with my higher power and to see other people. So I have he's present through 10, 11, and 12 to see the opportunities. So I spent two hours talking about alcoholism, the malady, and described the symptoms and results as well as I could. His comment was very interesting, but I'm sure this man is done drinking. He, he has just returned from a three-month leave of absence, has taken a cure, looks fine, and to clinch the matter, the board of directors told him this was his last chance. The only answer I could make was that I underlined, if the man followed the usual pattern, he would go on a bigger bus than ever. I wrote two things. I wrote al- Above that paragraph, I wrote, alcoholics have usual patterns. 
alcoholics have usual patterns. So there's that's why in AA, if you're sober and you've been around long enough, you can tell, oh, here, they're going to go do this. Oh, look, boy meets girl on AA campus, and now they're going to be gone. They're not going to do the work. And we just can see it, and we know it. So it's alcohol has usual patterns. And I also wrote, an alcoholic will not stay sober without the steps. An alcoholic will not stay sober without the steps. So the person that was sober was listening to the person that had told him, you know, this is never going to happen again. He's He's been told his warning. And he's like, he knew in his mind, he's probably like, okay. I felt that this was inevitable and wondered if the bank was doing the man an injustice. Why not bring him into contact with some of our alcoholic crowd? He might have a chance. I underlined the next sentence. I pointed out that I had nothing to drink whatever for three years, and in this, in the face of difficulties, that would have, excuse me, that would have made nine out of ten men drink their heads off. And I wrote on the side, shared his story. That's also a promise because he's saying that he went through life's trials in, in low spots and he didn't drink. Why not at least afford him an opportunity to hear my story? Oh, no, said my friend. This chap is either through with liquor or he is minus a job. And I underlined, if he has your willpower, remember that the power of a sane mind, and guts, he will make the grade. And I wrote next to that, misunderstood. And that's the way it is. Um, the guy that I lived with when I ended up getting sober that found me on the floor when I was when I tried to kill myself, he partied pretty hard alongside me. And when I got sober, he didn't. And he had always told me that the reason why I was able to get sober was because I have really strong willpower. And I just kept shaking my head and being like, no, you don't get it. This has nothing to do with that at all. Um, it says, I wanted to throw up my hands in discouragement for I saw that I had failed to help my banker friend understand, which is a very common thing when we, tr- we get sober and we try to make other people who are not sober understand what's going on and they don't get it. And I, the, my experience is I just let it go because it's not my responsibility. I saw that I had failed to help my, br- my baker friend understand. He simply could not believe that I underlined I'm sorry, he simply could not believe that his brother executive, I underlined, suffered from a serious illness. That's a reminder, this is an illness. And then I underlined, there was nothing to do but wait, and I put a star next to that. I wrote in the top, tool for sponsees who are unwilling. Tool for sponsees who are unwilling. There is nothing to do but wait. Presently, the man did slip and was fired. Following his discharge, we contacted him without much ado. I underlined, he accepted the principles and procedure that had helped us above principles. I wrote steps. And remember the reason why this person accepted them is because he lost, he lost what he cared about and that to alcoholics who are recovered, we look at something like that and we, we say this could prove a blessing. You know, Bill W didn't, was not able to get a job and was not able to make any money for the first year, year plus where he ended up in Akron. And because of that, I'm sure he was stressing out the whole time. Now he looked back on it when he would write about it and say, um, you know, how lucky he was, how fortunate he was. But I'm sure that he was freaking out during that period of time. And only in hindsight could he see that that was helpful to help him start AA. So it's a reminder for me spiritually when something goes on that is hard or is not what I expected or is completely opposite of what I wanted, I practice saying the idea to myself, maybe this will prove a blessing. He is undoubtedly on the road to recovery. To me, this incident illustrates lack of understanding as to, I underlined, what really ails the alcoholic. And I wrote on the side, mental obsession and physical allergy. Because if the person doesn't understand that that's what's going on and that when they don't drink, they can't 
stay away from the drink because of what's happening in their mind and that when they do drink, they can't control it. If someone doesn't understand alcoholism, then they're always going to think, why, why can't they just figure this out? And lack of knowledge as to what part employers might profitably be taken salvaging their sick employees. If you desire to help, it might be well to disregard your own drinking or lack of it. Whether you are a hard drinker, a moderate drinker, or a teetotaler, I literally cannot say that word. Teetler. I think it's teetotaler, but I'm just going to pretend that I, I said it right and we're going to move on. You, you may have had some pretty strong opinions, perhaps prejudices. Those who drink moderately may be more annoyed with an alcoholic than a total abstainer would be. Drinking occasionally and understanding your own reactions, it is possible for you to become quite sure of many things which, so far as the alcoholic is concerned, are not always so. I bracketed the rest of the paragraph. I underlined this next two sentences. <clears throat> As a moderate drinker, you can take your liquor or leave it alone. Whenever you want to, you could control your drinking. And I wrote next to that, could you? Question mark. Underneath that, I wrote the non-alcoholic. So this bracketed part is about the non-alcoholic. And that's the reminder. Could you take your liquor or leave it alone? Always. Of an evening, you can go on a mile bender, get up in the morning, shake your head, and go to business. I underlined, to you, liquor is no real problem. So I've recently realized that even though I love fruit and especially grapefruit, which is like my favorite fruit in the whole world, that when I eat fruit, it makes my stomach hurt. And so now I eat fruit very, very rarely. I used to eat like massive amounts of fruit a day and it would just turn into sugar in my belly and it would kill my belly. And today I don't have a hard time staying away from fruit. I went to the grocery store tonight. I saw so many beautiful fruit items. I saw blueberries that were in season and I thought, oh, couldn't I just have one of those, one carton of those? And then I thought, oh, I'm going to get sick. And I, I thought a fact that was sane and I moved on. When I looked at alcohol, I, I knew what alcohol did to me and I was always convinced it would be different. Says you cannot see why it should be to anyone save for the spineless and stupid, and those are how people look at us because they don't understand. When dealing with an alcoholic, there may be a natural annoyance that a man could be so I underlined weak, stupid, and irresponsible. So that's another way that they look at us. Even when you understand the malady better, you may feel this feeling rising. A look at the alcoholic in your organization is many times illuminating. Is he not usually brilliant, fast thinking, imaginative, and likable? When sober, does he not work hard and have a knack of getting things done? If he had these qualities and did not drink, would he be worth retaining? Should he have the same consideration as other ailing employees? Is he worth savaging? If your decision is yes, whether the reason be humanitarian or business or both, then the following suggestions can, may be helpful. Can you discard the feeling that you are dealing only with habit, with stubbornness, or a weak will? If this presents difficulty, I underlined rereading chapters two and three, where they really talk about alcoholism, where the alcoholic sickness is discussed at length might be worthwhile. You as a businessman want to know the necessities before considering the result. If you concede that your employee is ill, so if you give in to that truth, can he be forgiven for what he has done in the past? Can his past absurdities be forgotten? Can it be appreciated that he has been, I underlined, a victim of crooked thinking, this is in red, a victim of crooked thinking directly caused by the action of alcohol on his brain? And that's what happens to us. I well remember the shock I received when a prominent doctor in Chicago told me of cases where, in red, I underlined, pressure of the spinal fluid actually ruptured the brain. So this is wet brain. 
No wonder, I underlined in red, an alcoholic is strangely irrational. Who wouldn't be with such, I underlined in red, fevered brain? And they're literally talking about someone whose brain chemistry changes because of alcohol's action on the body. <clears throat> Normal drinkers are not so affected, nor can they understand the aberrations of the alcoholic. Your man has probably been trying to conceal a number of scrapes, perhaps pretty messy ones. They may be disgusting. You may be at loss to understand how such a seemingly above-board chap could be so involved. But these scrapes can generally be charged, no matter how bad, I underlined in red, to the abnormal action of alcohol, and I circled, on his mind. Because it affects the way that we think. It's psychological. And the physical effect of alcohol in our body ends up becoming psychologically impacting our mind. When drinking or getting over about an alcoholic, sometimes the model of honesty when normal will do incredible things. Afterward, his revulsion will be terrible. Nearly always, these antics indicate nothing more than temporary conditions. This is not to say that all alcoholics are honest and operate when not drinking. Of course that isn't so, and such people often may impose on you. Seeing your attempt to understand and help, some men will try to take advantage of your kindness. I underlined the next two sentences. If you are sure your man does not want to stop, he may as well be discharged the sooner the better. You are not doing him a favor by keeping him on. And I wrote on the side, not ready. And this can be applied to who I'm working with. If someone just continuously doesn't do the work, I, the book tells me in working with others and here that I may discharge them. I may, it says you are doing them, you're not doing them a favor by keeping them on because when we keep them on and they believe the lie that they're doing the program and then they leave and say, hey, it didn't work. I underline firing such an individual may prove a blessing to him, which is where I got that idea. I underline it may be just the jolt he needs. For me, the jolt I needed was my when I came home from overdosing and almost dying, and my mom was terrified and angry and all of those powerless feelings, and she said to me, I'm getting a lot of bills about your medical stuff and your ambulance, and I can't clean up your messes anymore. And for me, she never said that to me, and that meant that she was her and my dad were no longer going to financially help me out as long as I was living like this, and I was going to be screwed. I, I knew that if they weren't going to be able to help me, I was, there was nowhere I could go. Um, and for me, that was actually a gift. I know in my own particular case that nothing my company could have done would have stopped me. I underlined for so long as I was able to hold my position, I could not possibly realize how serious my situation was. And I put a star next to that because that's a great reminder that we as alcoholics have certain things that we have set in our mind. As long as I have this or as long as I have that, then we don't really need help. But when things are taken away from us, which people learn that in Families Anonymous or Al-Anon, then we actually are presented with real consequences. Had they fired me first and had they taken steps to see that I was, I underlined, presented with the solution contained in this book. And I wrote on the side, solution is in the book. It's pretty clear that they just said that solution is in the book. I might have returned to them six months later, a well man. I underlined the next sentence and I put a star next to it. But there are many men who want to stop and with them you can go far. And that's a promise. With the people who want to stop, I call them hungry. They are exhilarating to work with and it's amazing to watch. It's kind of like um, taking someone out on, I'm, I'm using this as an example, not because I can do it. 
out um, trying to learn how to water ski. And once they get it, they get it. And that's kind of like the hungry person. As long as they're willing to keep getting back up when they fall, then they then you keep you keep trying again. It says your understanding treatment of the cases will pay dividends. Perhaps you have such a man in mind. He wants to quit drinking and you want to help him, even if it be only a matter of good business. You now know more about alcoholism. I underlined, you can see that he is mentally and physically sick. And I circled mentally and I circled physically. You are willing to overlook his past performances. Suppose an approach is made something like this. State that you know about his drinking and that it must stop. You might say that you appreciate his abilities, would like to keep him, but cannot if he continues to drink. A firm attitude at this point has helped many of us. Next, he, he can be assured that you do not intend to lecture, moralize, or condemn. So that's a reminder of how I don't want to behave. That if this was done formally, it was because of misunderstanding. Because it is. It, it is misunderstanding to think that lecturing, moralizing, or condemning is going to help the alcoholic who's sick. If possible, express a lack of hard feeling toward him. At this point, it might be well to explain alcoholism and the illness. So this is all great tools as a sponsor. No one wants to be told what to do. So we make it really chill and easy and a lot of the word if. Hey, if you want to do this, you can. If not, no big deal. Say that, underline in red, you believe he is a gravely ill person, which means they're going to die. Tell them the truth. With this qualification, underline in red, being perhaps fatally ill. So the book is telling us to tell them the truth. Does he want to get well? You ask because many alcoholics being warped and drugged do not want to quit. But does he? Will he take every necessary step, submit to anything to get well, to stop drinking forever? And these are great questions. If he says yes, does he really mean it? Or down inside, does he think he is fooling you? And that after rest and treatment, he'll be able to get away with a few drinks now and then. We believe that's the first 100 men and women. A man should be thoroughly probed on these points. So that's also true as a sponsor. Be satisfied he's not deceiving himself or you. Whether you mention this book is a matter for your discretion. If he temporizes and still thinks he can ever drink again, even beer, he might as well be discharged. I underlined after the next bender, which I underlined if an alcoholic, he's almost certain to have. And I wrote on the side, because of the mental obsession. Because of the mental obsession. He should understand that emphatically. I underline the rest of the paragraph. Either you are dealing with a man who can and will get well or you are not. If not, why waste time with him? This may seem severe, but it is usually the best course. So I put a star next to either. And I wrote on the side, work with the willing. This is really all additions to working with others. After satisfying yourself that your man wants to recover and that he will go to any extreme to do so, you may suggest I circled a definite course of action. And I wrote next to that or on the bottom, 12 steps. The definite course of action we have is to the 12 steps. The definite course of action is not don't drink, go to meetings. That is actually never in our book at all. For most alcoholics who are drinking or who are just getting over a spree, a certain amount of physical treatment is desirable, even imperative. I wrote on the top, for physical craving and DTs, delirium tremens. So we have, we want people to get physical treatment because you can actually die from certain detoxes on your own. The matter of physical treatment should, of course, be referred to your own doctor. And remember, we are not doctors. Whatever the method, I underline, its object is to thoroughly clear mind and body of the effects of alcohol. That's why people go to detox, not so they can go back into treatment so they can be away from their family for 28 days. 
Incompetent hands, this seldom takes long. I underline seldom takes long, nor is it very expensive. Your man will fare better if placed in such a physical condition that he can think straight and will no longer craves liquor. Above craves, I wrote physically. Remember, that's between three and seven days, depending on how much you are used to drinking. If you propose such a procedure to him, it may be necessary to advance the cost of treatment, but we believe it should be made plain that any expense will later be deducted from his pay. I underlined, it is better for him to feel fully responsible, which is basically the case in parenting and sponsoring and everything. If your man accepts your offer, it should be pointed out that physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. Though you are providing him with the best possible medical attention, he should understand that he, underlined, must undergo a change of heart. I wrote on the side, abandon old way, abandon old way of thinking and acting, of thinking and acting. And then I underlined, to get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. So I have to completely change from one to another. I underlined, we all had to place recovery above everything, for without recovery, he would have lost both home and business. And I wrote next to that, through the 12 steps. I can't do anything without the steps. Can you have every confidence in his ability to recover? While on the subject of confidence, can you adopt the attitude that so far as you are concerned, this will be a strictly personal matter, that his alcoholic dereliction is the treatment about to be undertaken, will never be discussed without his consent? It might be well to have a long chat with him on his return. So important. To return to the subject matter of this book, it contains full suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. To you, some of the ideas which it contains are novel. Perhaps you are not quite in sympathy with the approach we suggest. I underlined, by no means do we offer it as the last word on the subject, I kept underlining, but so far as we are concerned, it is a work with us. I wrote on the side, the first 100s experience. first 100's experience I underlined after all are you not looking for results rather than methods this is one of my favorite ideas and they say this a number of times in the book and basically the question I get to ask anyone is are you happy with the results you're getting I know you're complaining about the work but are you happy with the results you're getting for me I'm really happy with my results it's hard but The results I was getting from not doing the work were way more miserable and exhausting. Whether your employee likes it or not, he will, I underlined in red, learn the grim truth about alcoholism. That won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy. So the old timers were teaching medical people about alcoholism. We suggest you draw the book to the attention of the doctor who is to attend your patient during treatment. I underlined, if the book is read the moment the patient is able, while acutely depressed, realization of his condition may come to him. I wrote, less blocked and more desperate. So we're less blocked by the new information we're going to learn in AA and the language, you know, you don't have to hurry up and, you know, let the steps riser meet you. And what this is saying is when they're brought in from triage in the ER from the ambulance and you've identified that three of their four arteries are blocked, take them into emergency surgery. And then when they wake up from it scared and alive, they're going to say, I'll do whatever I have to do. But if you wait a long time, that they're going to convince themselves that A doesn't work and that no one knows what they're talking about and that you're miserable and everyone else is happy. 
It says, we hope the doctor will tell the patient the truth about his condition, whatever that happens to be. I underlined, when the man is presented with this volume, it is best that no one tell him he must abide by its suggestions. And then I underlined, the man must decide for himself. And that's so important with sponsoring. You're betting, of course, that your change attitude plus the contents of this book will turn the trick. In some cases it will, and in others it may not. But we think that if you persevere, the percentage of successes will gratify you. As our work spreads and our numbers increase, we hope your employees may be put in personal contact with some of us. Meanwhile, we are sure a great deal can be accomplished by the underlined use of the book alone. So the first 100 members are saying, look, if we can't talk to you, we still think this book has got enough information to help you. On your employee's return, talk with him. Ask him if he thinks he has the answer, if he feels free to discuss his problems with you, if he knows you understand and will not be upset by anything he wishes to say, he will probably be off to a fast start. So that sounds like an employer who really knows the alcoholic and they can be helpful. In this connection, I underline, can you remain undisturbed if the man proceeds to tell you shocking things? That's also for sponsorship. He may, for example, reveal that he has padded his expense account or that he has planned to take away your best customers. In fact, he may say almost anything if he has accepted. I underlined our solution, which, as you know, demands rigorous honesty. It says, can you charge this off as you would a bad account and start fresh with him? If he owes you money, you may wish to make terms. If he speaks of his house home situation, you can undoubtedly make helpful suggestions. Can he talk frankly with you so long as he does not bear business tales or criticize his associate? With this kind of employee, such an attitude will command undying loyalty. The greatest enemies of alcoholics, I underline this, the greatest enemies of us alcoholics are resentment, jealousy, envy, frustration, and fear. So these are blockages. Whenever men are gathered, wherever men are gathered together in business, there will be rivalries and arising out of these a certain amount of office politics. I underlined, sometimes we alcoholics have an idea that people are trying to pull us down. I underlined, often this is not so at all, but sometimes our drinking will be used politically. And we're going to stop right here. Thank you guys so much and have a wonderful week. It's totally up to you.